welcome to Cisco Champions Radio. I am Lauren Friedman Albert, your host, also known on the Twitters as Lauren, and we've got a full house today. I'll start with Malcolm. Malcolm, who are you? What do you do? I am Malcolm Budden. Uh, I'm a network architect at ISP. Um, I'm on Twitter at Malcolm Budden. Awesome. I am Paul Giblin. I'm a Presidio Distinguished Engineer with Presidio, and I do everything uh, pre-sales architect, essentially. Fantastic. All right, Chairman. <laughs> My name is Peter Jones. I'm a Distinguished Engineer with Cisco. I'm a, do a bunch of things, but right now I'm talking about Ethernet. All right. So, And I'm on the Twitter oops, at Peter G. Jones. Good job. Amy Lee. I am Amy Lee San Juan. I'm with Enterprise Marketing with Cisco. Fantastic. All right. Um, who wants to start us off? Go. Right. So, Peter. Oh, wait. Sorry. Before we go, Peter wanted me to mention that everyone on this podcast is speaking English. We can all mock Peter later. Go ahead, Malcolm. I have no idea why I would say that. Yeah. Anyway, to jump in. So, Peter, you've got a dream, an Ethernet dream. Tell us about it. Well, and so keep we... it PC, please. <laughs> oh, I don't want to hear right. about your dreams. <laughs> okay, so different conversation now. Keep them dry. <laughs> so Malcolm and I, we met earlier today, we were sort of talking about, I really want to go and figure out a way to get all of OT in the world onto Ethernet. So as it turns out, Malcolm's been involved in that recently because he was doing some work with, who was it? What was the company you were dealing with? Uh, a company. Yeah, fine. <laughs> but you've been dealing with some of the technology involved in OT. What's interesting is you look at IT, it's sort of fairly consistent. We know how to make it work. But the OT world is like a wild west. So you could imagine, so for those of us who have some age, I mean, I started working in the field in 84, but around about 1990, you know, just before you were born. Shut, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, networking was this whole set of different interfaces, protocols, physical layers, and everyone thought they were special, right? Everyone thought they were snowflakes. Mm-hmm. So remember. since then, right, we've sort of moved on. We've really converged towards things like Ethernet and Wi-Fi and the standard protocol stack. If you think about that, Cisco's driven that convergence and that's what's enabled everything we have today. So OT is still back in the 90s, but they know they need to move. So the real question is how do we help them move? So we can just show up right, and we can say, look, I'm from IT and I'm here to help. How's that go over the market? Not going the best, but uh, yeah. What do you think you're doing helping? Work. Yeah. I, like, well, how do you, you don't know what we're doing. So Yeah, I see. I have some slides. So I did some of this in the master series earlier today, so you can go and look at that as well. And this um, will be published in months, a few months from now, so yeah. people can all imagine. Go on. It, it will be there. <laughs> so imagine for a second that you, you had a golf car, uh, a BMW, a VW Golf. Nice little car, sells a lot. Imagine I come up to you and said, look, I've, got, I've built it. It's better. Fuel economy is better. It's faster. It's more comfortable. There's only one minor issue. It's a lane and a half wide. So if you build yourself a brand new city, it'll be awesome. So that's what we tend to tell the OT guys. Get it, throw away everything you ever knew and start again. And that works how well? Not well. So, yeah, I mean, I think that one of the, the key things here, just to add some more background, is that OT networks, a lot. some people might know this, some people might not, uh, but OT networks have evolved from being completely ring-fenced, where if you think of like a manufacturing site or something like that, there's a manufacturing process, all of the machine-to-machine communication happens over the network, normally on a flat network with no segmentation, uh, limited security, and that's kind of like evolved over the last few years to 
um, you know, uh, I'm oversimplifying it here, but it might be like, you know, plug a cable into the enterprise network because our system now needs to talk to the internet. But a whole load of challenges come with that, uh, where you still need to completely separate the IT and the OT infrastructure. So, um, and, and there's separate teams that manage the OT infrastructure to the IT infrastructure. Um, historically, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, the perception of the OT teams of IT isn't the greatest because, uh, as Peter described, um, there has probably been a lot of cases where IT teams have jumped in with two feet, patched a server, taken a production line down. So that's not good for anyone. So yeah, that was just to provide a little bit of context to some of the uh, background information uh, I mean, it, that makes it challenging. If you think about it, right, for a long time that market was very stable, right? And so you know, I grew up in Australia. And so we have a whole lot of mine sites and things. So my father-in-law is actually a welder. Okay. Um, and so he lives in a valley in Victoria that's full of coal mines and power plants. So he actually, what he does is he works on what is called a power plant shutdown. So every couple of years, they'll shut the plant down for four to six weeks to do major maintenance. In between that, the plant should never go down. Yeah. So it's not really, it's like, let's take an outage window and turn it off for a while. Or maybe if you look at like an aluminium, aluminium smelter. <laughs> So Good job. aluminum takes an awful lot of electricity. So if you lose electricity, it freezes. <laughs> so that's no good. It's not so no good. good. No. Um, so the key thing is, we've got all these people who know they want to move towards standard networks. So the sort of things you see out there, you see BACnet and DeviceNet and Profinet and Lunworks and the forty-three milliamp. There's hundreds of different ones, different connections. So what you tend to see is there'll be a, a backbone IT network, maybe some industrial ethernet. There'll be things called gateways. And they basically do protocol conversion. They go off and they drive all these interesting oddball buses. That's how PLCAs and control actually works in the real world. But, you know, as um, Malcolm said, it's this ongoing thing. They want to do like preventive maintenance. They want to do cloud connected. So at the worst, this can be someone goes out and starts plugging in 4G modems. I know I talked to one of our customers at one stage in oil and gas. So they would go and sweep all of their sites every every four to six weeks to take away all the 4G monitors that got plugged in. I see Paul like nodding. Um, <laughs> I've just I, I've been in these environments before, um, and, and probably not to the extent that the two of you have, but I've been in uh, manufacturing facilities where a minute of downtime equals a whole lot of dollars. So it's very difficult to get a business to take any kind of outage of any kind on a manufacturing floor. One one other key point just to uh, mention about like uh, process control networks as well. Um, when you think about like chemical plants fall into that uh, that category, so it's not all, it, obviously um, losing a lot of money per hour is critical. But the other things that um, are high on the agenda of these types of networks are safety. So if you've got machines uh, that malfunction, if you have people going into hazardous areas when they don't need to. Um, uh, you know, uh, hazardous chemicals and things like that. Uh, these are other other things that people. So it's life, yeah. safety, life, uh, and uh, also uh, revenue. Explosions are seriously expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. um, somebody in the the Philly metro who just had a, a large uh, petroleum refinery explode in the yeah. last six months. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Wow. So there is this thing called intrinsic safety. So when you build an intrinsically safe device it is not allowed to produce any spark whatsoever because they have to go in places which are explosive. So there's clearly like oil and gas. 
but one of my favourites is a flour warehouse because flour in the air is basically fuel air explosive. Anyway, so this technology, guys want to move on. And our job is to figure out how to get them there. So often, again, in our business, we'll sort of bring people up to a chasm and say, just leap, right? So we've got to build the bridge towards them. So the basic idea is to look at the basic what system have today, which is all this cabling that's out there, work out how to make it better incrementally. So I told you about my father-in-law. Um, if you're looking at something, if I have like a too much shutdown, I can change end devices I cannot recable. And so particularly these assets are really long-lived. So what we're doing is we're starting off sort of looking at what we really need and producing Ethernet standard for that. So we start off with a goal of doing a thousand meters. Um, we're also doing a 25 meter multi-drop. So a thousand meters of data and power at 10 megabits a second is sort of awesome. The things we're, com we're really trying to replace, they would run at anywhere from like 1200 to 1200 kilobits to, uh, sorry, 12 kilobits up to maybe a couple of hundred. But the goal here is to replace the end devices, to add value to the infrastructure and let the whole enterprise evolve. It also means that the people coming out of college now, so if you looked at some of these old devices, you get an alarm from the machine. They send some guy who looks like me, right? You know, old gray hair beard. He's going to hit the machine. They'll tell you what's wrong. They're all retiring. Oh, people man. are going to come out of college. They want to log into the machine. They don't want to hit the machine? Well, they do, but they can't tell you what, what it is. Um, Today's kids will hit the machine and then they'll stick their hand in there and lose their hand. Cool. Yeah, and, and based on my experience, for, for the actual, uh, so we're talking from like a, a vendor and a service provider uh, and standardization perspective, but if you jump onto the other side of the fence where you actually sit in the um, the enterprise's shoes, their challenge is when all these people, so for example, if you talk about agriculture and these, uh, these locations are all out in the sticks, miles away from anywhere, and let's say like the whole local town works for that company through the generations if if somebody goes comes out of college and you know that you've got all this potential with ai business intelligence platforms uh, and modern technologies um available but it's not being used or you can resort to you know hitting the machine with a hammer and you come out of college the ta the, the, the it's difficult to attract ta talent when google and microsoft and cisco are trying to attract uh, talent, you know, out of the universities. So that's one of the biggest concerns with the, you know, the manufacturing industry and moving things on to the next level. So it's sort of interesting because you and I share a bit of a heritage to some extent. So I actually, my first job out of college was at a big iron ore mine. It actually literally was out in the middle of nowhere and the whole town worked for the mine side. Yeah. And I know up in Scotland there's lots of oil and gas, you sort of got the same problem. So the real question is how can we bring these guys onto the network and support what they do? So we can we can help do the networking side and enable them to do the real thing. So my long-term, okay, so let me back up a second. Let's imagine you're sitting in your office at the minute. You look up at the ceiling. There's a whole bunch of stuff on the ceiling. How much of it's connected to the IT network today? Maybe an access point or two. Think about everything else you see up there. You see the lights, you see the HVAC, you see the... Uh, temperature sensors, everything else. That's all the building automation network. That goes in before the IT network and it's all separate and everyone has their own. So you think about how am I going to address this? So one answer is, look, everyone can build new buildings, they'll design it around IT, everything will be fine. Okay, that's not the world I live in. 
So if you think about the buildings we have today, how do we make that stuff more valuable? I mean, one answer is just to throw in a whole bunch of wireless dust sensors. You know, wireless is not so good when it could be interrupted. And so that's not what I want to put, for instance, my safety systems on. But imagine for a second if I could take that building infrastructure, maybe I do a close down of a week or so, I change the end devices and it gets better. That then becomes a way to upgrade those buildings incrementally, like, like we do our network refresh. Then we can really bring the intelligence in. So the IT side of the house can support what the OT is doing and make it better. I would like to see us have one network for a facility. So in a factory, right, there's an IT network already. There's a bunch of building automation networks and there's a bunch of uh, production networks. If we can unify them, we've got a good story. So clearly we can provide the benefits IT has found over the last X years, security, segmentation, visibility, all that stuff. And then we can just let the guys who are in the production go off and do their jobs. Purely from a development point of view, if I want to pick someone at our college today, I can give him a Raspberry Pi, I can go write Ethernet drivers, he can use Linux. If I pick up the same guy and try and tell him how to run RS-485, it's not so effective. Yeah. So does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. So uh, so where are you on the journey uh, we're moving towards us? Peter? So... I mean, this has been around for a while, so that, that we've completed our first standard. So IEEE standards take varying amounts of time. This one, I think we started in 2016, we've just published. Yeah. So there's already starting to be some initial early prototype stuff out there. Um, but the trick is with this, you know the whole chicken and egg problem, right? Big companies don't want to commit to produce product until there's a customer. Customers don't want to commit. So part of what I'm trying to do is to, by telling the story of the value, to move the whole industry forward, which is sort of where the Ethernet Alliance stuff comes in. I want to tell a story to enable, instead, I mean, as you know, pushing things to the market doesn't work very well, right? Pushing a piece of string is hard. So I talk to a lot of our partners and I sort of paint this vision because I want to provide pull. So I tend to ask questions like, you have a strategy to transition to Ethernet. Awesome, right? What's the value of that to your customers? Right? If you don't know that yet, go figure it out. Once you know that, if I can get you to Ethernet much easier, in much more places, much faster, how does that change your value? So in 10 years time, assuming this works out, how do you see the value of this technology? Then give me three years notice. Because then I can go back to major providers. And by the way, if you didn't know, Cisco is the leading vendor of industrial edge network switching. Um, then I can move an industry forward because I need to get the machine builders going, the end device vendors going, I need to have you know the key partners out there designing it in. It's not, it's not a single thing. Like we couldn't, Cisco couldn't go and build it and call it declare victory. The other thing that gets a little interesting is you know this. The sales cycle into these guys is sort of interesting. But I think the opportunity is huge. I think it's um, one of those things. So, would you prefer to watch football or rugby? Football. Cool. That's oh. soccer. Yeah, yeah, what they call it soccer. Anyone? So I, I, I know what it is. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. <laughs> well, otherwise, I always would have said American football. Um, <laughs> yeah. Imagine you followed Real Madrid, for argument's sake. Or actually, you imagine, imagine it was back at uh, Manchester United when Dave Beckham was there. Right. A team full of Beckhams would be sort of not, not such a good team. Or a team, a Real Madrid, a team just full of Ronaldo's would be disastrous. So if you look around the industry, there's a whole bunch of people. So what I'm trying to do is sort of get them all going the same direction. 
So, you know, the IT industry has a key place, there's a key spot to do. I think Cisco has the ability to lead the IT industry in the right path. But the first thing, as you know well, is you've got to go to where your customers are and speak in a language they can listen. Again, I'm from IT, I'm, I'm here to help rip out everything you've ever known and replace it with mine. Even if you are right, it doesn't help. So I think we can do a better job of listening to where our customers are today and supporting them on that journey. So I think I mean, if you look back in time, I mean, I have slides on this, of course. We've sold more than 4 billion um, thousand-based ports, like gigabit Ethernet ports. Uh, that's switch ports. More than a billion of them sell every year. But, you know, if you go back in time, like way back in time, before you were born, dude. <laughs> you keep looking at me. I think I'm actually older than both these guys here. So, uh, oh, we, hussy. <laughs> so the first Ethernet and the cable that came out was Thicknet, right? Did you ever use Thicknet? You know, fat yellow cables. No. Oh, before my time. All right. Then there's Thicknet. I would have You're a child. Yeah. No, not really. Next thing that came along was that was interesting was 10 base T. Now, the thing about base T that was interesting is it was actually designed to use existing infrastructure because it was designed to run over Category 3 cable and use RJ45s. By the way, RJ45 is not the right name. It's actually an 8PHC. But they basically went and made something more effective. So we could potentially replay that entire base T story and make the next most successful standard. That'd be sort of cool. Absolutely. Are we good? Oh, I'm you excellent. Have, do you have more questions? <laughs> I was just thinking about the other half of the equation. Um, you know, have you gotten some of the other teams on board from the other side of the table, the uh, the Rockwells of the world, uh, fo folks like that, the Siemens? Are they participating in the process, or is that still in the works? So Rockwell has been heavily involved from day one. Um, so I work with a couple of colleagues of mine out there. Um, so in the industrial environment, there's three basic major alliances. There's PI, Profit International, which I think is more Siemens, ODVA, sort of more of the Rockwell crew, and Philcom, which is more Emerson. So a friend of mine is actually the physical layer special interest group chair at ODVA. So they're in the middle of actually updating all their specs to be able to, to include single Ethernet as part of the, st the, the story. Um, I have some interesting slides or uh, some photos of SP in the wild. So I was at Rockwell Automation Fair a couple of months ago. So uh, Panjot, they had a nice demo running. So the theme was Back to the Future. So this is Panjot, guy who actually owns a DeLorean, and he's got tricked up exactly out of the film. So he actually shows that he shows he shows up to a trade show with with the white coat and the, and the wig. Oh my gosh! <laughs> anyway, so is it owned by Panjot or is it? No, owned? it's owned by one of their employees. That's he bought the DeLorean crazy. and then he tripped it all up to look for okay. the thing. Okay. And he can drive it on the road. That's cool, but very crazy. Go on. Go on. Anyway, so they basically had a test sample where they've got basically, I'm not sure I got any. So they have 10 100 meter cable spools, 1,000 meters with connectors. And they have at one end basically a switch. On the other end, it's controlling the flux capacitor. <laughs> um, so there was also like Fluke had some prototype demo stuff out there. There was a running example from a couple of other companies, um, Industry Howard, Pepperdine Folks, Rockwell, and Samsung Automation. Um, so we're starting to head there. So the, I think the real question is, is how do we take the IT and IT businesses along together 
so we, we don't fragment. And that's sort of what I'm trying to do. So there's the technology story. So we know how to build this stuff now. It's not a technology problem. It's a, it's an evangelization problem. You know, you can, one of the worst things is having the right idea too early. And then you bring it out, it doesn't succeed. So right now, sort of my job in this is to go and have a dream what it could be and try and get people to bring that dream. So Seems good. Again, if you go back to this story, think about in your building, if you're looking upstairs, looking up at the ceiling, how yep. many devices do you think there are in the building? Here? Compared, no, compared to IT devices in a, in a normal in a normal building. So, so I'm working with some, <laughs> some friends from Panduit. Um, so a few years ago, I think it was like 2012-ish, they built a brand new headquarters, LEED Gold Certified, the latest and best of everything. So they're a cabling company. So they put everything they could possibly put on the floor per Ethernet, you know, access points, window shade controls, everything they could. They put in 600,000 feet of uh, CAT 6 and 6A. <laughs> they put in 500,000 feet of single pair. So even a you know, brand new building designed by a cabling company is about the same amount. Yeah. So how much single pair do you think is out there in the world? And how cool it would it be if you could get all that stuff onto a network and manage it? Very cool. I'm just awesome. I can get going forever, you know. <laughs> Shall we wrap up? Sure. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. This has been a very cool episode of Cisco Champions Radio. And have a great evening. Bye. <laughs>